baby pictures, music, and then here I am. I think the only thing uh, that will top that, though, is these words from uh, our Savior. Listen with me as we read uh, along. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in me. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Thanks be to the Lord. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, band. Well, good morning. Good morning. This last year, we've been going through the book of the, the whole book of the Bible, starting in Genesis in January, right? And so nine months along, we get into the New Testament and celebrating the arrival of Jesus uh, through these gospels, these narratives and stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then today, is our day to focus and kind of rest into this last gospel, the book of John. And the book of John is an awesome book, an incredible gospel story of Jesus. It's deceptively complex. It seems simple on the surface, and yet underneath is a complexity, a beauty, a poetry. There's an economy of words. It's kind of short and compact. As a young life outreach worker in my teenage years, John is the book you give to people that are wondering about God and open to God. We would give the book of John. You know, this, this book is, is powerful. It's a book of warmth and a book of relationship, of inviting. And just as we heard read, this invitation to abide with God, to, to be with God, to live with God. And we wonder, what's it like to live with God? And this morning, we're going to discover that this relationship is marked with love it's marked with obedience and joy. And it's true today, and it will be true forever into all eternity. So what's it like to live with God? You know, maybe to kind of bring it down to earth a little bit, what's it like to live with you? Um, you know, have you ever asked the person in your home uh, or your family members, what's it like to live with me? You know, uh, what am I... Like any newly married people, we have a couple, any people kind of for the first time discovering like what's it like to live with this person? And we get to know people in a different way, right, when we live with them. This last week, I, with a little bit of trepidation, asked my wife, what's it like to live with me? <laughs> I just kind of put it out there, you know, and kind of was quiet and ready to receive. Um, but she said that I'm adventurous. And I like to find fun things for our family to do. Um, and that I don't procrastinate, that I like, do stuff right away. And there's no long list of things because I just get right to it and I get it done. Who, who does that? That's crazy, right? Uh, I, I, don't, I, I said, well, there's got to be some flaws, maybe some faults I should share you know, with this group here. And she didn't say anything. So I guess we're all good. Um, so, um, no, I know there are things. There's things. Um, but she was gracious, and so I don't have anything to think about now or to worry about. But, I, um, but there's, there's things, and we get to know each other. We find out these quirks, you know, these things about one another. And, and in the same way or similar way, God invites us to live with him and, and for us to get to know God through this relationship. 
that we were celebrating all saints this morning, and, and we recognize that these believers who've gone before, they are truly with God. They're living with God and experiencing Him in, in, in all sorts of incredible ways that we hope for uh, to come. And yet God invites us to live with Him here and now. What's it like to live with God you know, in the book of Matthew, right at the very end, Jesus says to his disciples, as he's dis- ascending into heaven, he says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus has promised to be with us. He's always going to be there. But how often do we forget that Jesus is with us? You know, with the, the commotion and the busyness of our lives and errands that we're running and all the, the complexity, of our, we forget that God's with us often. Maybe you... Uh, have a practice of remembering. Maybe you put a little post-it note on your mirror or you have something dangling in your car or maybe um, it's a poster or a piece of artwork in your house that has some scripture on it or something that just sort of reminds you, God's with me, God's here. You know, in the busyness of our lives, I have a friend that has a little metal cross and he keeps it just right in his pocket with his coins and he just feels it. You know, maybe it's a a tactile thing for you like a keychain or something like that. My graduate program that I graduated from years ago in seminary at Biola, at Talbot, we had a kind of a unique program called Spiritual Formation, and those who graduated from this program, we got a gift at graduation. We got a ring, and uh, it was kind of this, this ring, and I brought a picture of the ring for you guys, and if you can maybe squint and look really carefully, you'll see there's some lettering etched around the side of this ring, and it says, Abide in Me. Abide in me. And this is this invitation that we're seeing here in John. Abide in me. God's invitation to be with him. And a way to remember it, you know, to kind of see it and to be reminded. This ring didn't fit that good on my finger, though. It was kind of tight, and uh, I didn't get used to wearing another ring. And and I I don't know. I mean, some people take it even further. You know, they kind of go all the way with this. And so this is this next picture that that I have. This um, This is like a... Like right, this is like right on the skin. You know, this is like a tattoo. You know that you'll just always have forever, for your whole life. And and uh, I don't know who would do anything crazy like that. That's just crazy. Um, no, but yeah, it hurt really bad. It hurt really bad. Um, it's like fire. It's like a knife with fire on it. Um, anyway. But it was a reminder, right? This reminder that God is with us, that God is with me, that he invites me to be with him. And he does that for all of us. He invites us to be with him. The word abide, it's kind of a biblical word. It's an old word. We don't use it a lot these days. But it means to be at home with. To be at home with. I I love that description. What's home like? A, A home in all of its best senses should be a place of refuge, a place of comfort, of hope and rest, restoration, to be at home with God. This is the invitation. And the first place he invites us to abide with him in is his love. So let me read once more just this verse. We, we heard it, um, but John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. That's the first invitation. That's the context of this whole thing is God's love. Abide in my love. And he says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. And so I got to thinking, what 
in what ways has the Father loved Jesus? Through the Gospels we've been reading these last weeks, where do we see the Father loving Jesus? And of course, I think about the baptism of Jesus right away. You know, he comes up out of the water and a Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends and there's this voice from heaven that says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So it's this voice of affirmation, a voice of encouragement, of identity, validation. You know, so I was thinking, what are there other times? Is there other times that, that we see the Father loving Jesus? I, I was reminded of the, the time in the desert when Jesus is tempted in the desert. And at the end of those 40 days, the Bible says that angels came and comforted him. You know, maybe one of those ways that God brought his comfort to Jesus, the Father watching out for his son. Oh, there's another moment on a mountain, this moment of transfiguration where Jesus is transformed and and there's a voice from heaven again, this fatherly voice saying, this is my son, listen to him. Again, this validation, this encouragement, this identity. You know, how does this invitation strike you today? Are you comforted and relieved that this love, this this love could be yours and, and it's offered as a gift? Or Maybe it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's challenging. Can you believe and accept that Jesus loves you like this? For many, it's difficult. It's, it's a challenge because it's this idea that we should somehow deserve this kind of love. Like this is a kind of love you earn. This has to be some kind of transaction. And to just receive it as a free gift is challenging for many. In fact, this seminary program I mentioned, you know, it, the first one of these years we did nine months of a devotional practice so part of our curriculum was these nine months of doing this devotional every day we were supposed to do this thing through the whole year and it started out with a couple of weeks about god's love and so for each day for two weeks we were just like learning about god's love and all the different aspects about god's love and kind of soaking in god's love and the idea was that this love would be the context the framework like the foundation of all of our discipleship efforts and all of our spiritual practices or whatever else we did from there it would be based on God's love and a friend of mine in my little small group a seminary student you know a bible college graduate a mature christian uh he was like wrestling with this like for the first time he was really trying to receive God's love in a deep place in his life and it was so challenging that he ended up doing those same two weeks all semester long just the same devotional over and over just taking the time to say like this is hard for me to receive so what's it like for you I mean, but that's why it's called good news. That's why it's called the gospel because it's, it's love that we could never earn or deserve. It's a gift that's offered through Christ's sacrifice for us. Christ obeyed God's will for his life, even to death on a cross. And Jesus followed the commandments of his father. And Jesus says he abides in his father's love through obeying his commands. And he invites us to also abide with him in the same way. And that brings us to that second verse, verse 10, that says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, I don't know how that hits you, but for me, right away, I'm feeling a little bit of condemnation, a little bit of guilt. Like, here's the catch. Okay, yeah, uh, we had to obey. But maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're feeling kind of, Maybe you're feeling kind of confident. Maybe you're assured that you've been doing a pretty good job at, at keeping God's commandments. Or, um, 
But I think for a lot of us, there's, there's doubting whether or not we've done this very well. Um, maybe we're, we're thinking about which commandments we may have kept, which ones we're not doing so good on. Or maybe you're like me and you're kind of like hedging your bets. I'm kind of wondering like, I want to get to like what exactly is Jesus talking about? So I can at least try and do that a little bit. You know, I mean, if I can focus on one thing, what is it? Well, thankfully for people like me, and if you're thinking that same thing, Jesus himself a few sentences later tells us, tells us the commandment, the one thing. Are you ready? It's verse 12. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. It's like, oh, how challenging is that? You know, how challenging is that? In fact, it's impossible to love others like Jesus loved us in our own strength, with our own efforts, because of our own character or fortitude. This reminds us that we need God's grace, that we need his mercy, that we need to call out to him to help us follow him. What a challenge, because Jesus loved sacrificially, even giving up his life for us, and he encourages us to love others in the same way. It determines so much of our behavior, our motivations, it's the foundation of where we kind of go with our life, right? And none of us does this perfectly all the time. I'm so grateful for Jesus' first invitation this invitation of love, that this is the premise of this whole thing, his unconditional love. And then he challenges us to obedience. But this obedience, it's in the framework and the context of of love. And we make ourselves at home in his love. And it's from that place of acceptance, assurance, confidence, and rest that we seek to obey God by loving others well. You know, even this All Saints remembrance today, we recognize that none of those that we look up to were perfect all the time or ever, and they made mistakes and they failed to love perfectly, and yet God used them in our lives and so many others' lives. These saints, they get honor from God and, and us, but more importantly, uh, they get honor from God according, not according to the world's values, but according to God's values. And I love what, what Blaise Pascal, this great, he has this incredible quote about saints. It says, saints have their power, their brilliance, their victory, their attraction, and have no need of carnal or intellectual greatness, where these have no place since they neither add or subtract anything. They are recognized by God and the angels and not by bodies nor curious minds. God is enough for them. God is enough for them. And like all of God's commands, this, this instruction to love one another, it's actually for our good. Like we benefit from this. We benefit by following God's guidance. And Jesus describes this benefit for us in the last verse uh, today in verse 11. Verse 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Hmm. Joy. I know sometimes we think about obedience and we think it's like just we do it to get away from punishment. Like maybe, you know, you don't want to get punished or get in trouble, so you obey. Maybe you obey whoever in your life, teachers, professors, whatever, your uh, parents, you know, just kind of like, I just don't want to get in trouble, so I'm going to try and kind of hold the line here. And yet Jesus 
invites us to obey because of joy, that there is joy on the other side of this. He links obedience with joy. So much better. Jesus' desire for us is fullness of joy. And we all want joy in our lives, and it's elusive to so many. I did a Google search on joy. You know, how do you find joy on the internet? And there's quotes about joy, of course, thousands of them. Some say, uh, you know, joy, you just got to grab it. You just got to go after it and just own it, just take it, and then it's yours, you know? Or no, you just string little moments of joy together, and then all of a sudden, joy will be experienced by you, you know? Or, or no, don't even look for joy, just forget about that. Just do, do something else, and then it'll just come from the side, you know? It'll just surprise you. You have to be surprised by joy. You can't look for it and find it. And there's so many ways, but the Creator has designed us to experience joy in this way. By abiding in Jesus' love and receiving it as a free gift and by following Jesus' example, who was the greatest saint of all, to, to love others sacrificially. And if we do this, he says, we will experience joy. So you kind of have to ask yourself, how's my joy meter today? You know, how's the joy scale? Like, how am I feeling? Am I joyful? Uh... Thankfully, joy is not being extroverted. Uh, it's not necessarily like being the life of the party all the time. Joy is deeper than happiness. It's deeper than circumstances. Listen to how Jesus uses the word joy when he's talking to his disciples in a couple chapters later in John 16, one chapter later, 16, 22, he says, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Joy is linked to this connection, this connection with Jesus. Our church fathers writing this grand document, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, you know, they ask this epic question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. This word joy. Second John one twelve, John says, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Again, this face to face, it's a relational connection. Joy connected to relationship. What would our church look like if our joy was full? I mean, what would, what would our church look like? In the 50s, in Westminster Chapel in London, this pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones, he wrote this, the greatest need of the hour is a revived and joyful church. That's what he says. He says, nothing is more important than that we should be delivered from a condition which gives other people looking at us the impression that to be a Christian means to be unhappy, to be sad, to be morbid, and that the Christian is one who scorns delights and lives laborious days. <laughs> I don't want to be like that, you know? And, and here's, this, here's this incredible connection, this invitation to, to, to joy. How might the world react differently to us as the church if we all experience joy to the full? Joy, it's linked to relationship, to connection. And it all starts with making ourselves at home in God's love. So Jesus says, abide in my love. 
He says, keep my command to love one another, and in so doing, you will experience full and lasting joy. And, and this joy, this abiding with God, right, it's actually good practice for our future to come. It's good practice for eternity because in heaven we will be with God like never before. We will see him face to face, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. This Christian life is practice for heaven. And you might be asking now at this point, this morning, you're saying, maybe you're saying, hey, okay, Justin, cool, um, Sounds great. I think that sounds good. I, I want to receive his love. I want to abide in him, be at home with God. And, and uh, I'm ready to ask him to help me obey his commands to love others. And I, I, uh, I want joy. I'm, I'm ready. You might just say, well, how do I do it? Okay, well, how, how does this look? How does it look in our life or in prayer to abide with God, to be with him? And it can look all sorts of different ways. I'm sure there's many ways for us in our unique characters and and personalities to connect with God but I want to invite us to one way this morning as we close our time together one way to abide with God that I found the most helpful the most challenging the most useful for me and it's linked to identity kind of like um, what do we what do we believe about ourselves and and you know when we think about abiding in Christ that phrase, in Christ, is mentioned in the Bible in, in all sorts of ways. And so how do we practice being in Christ? Like, this is the invitation to be in Christ. And what does that look like? And one way is through reminding ourselves of our true identity in Him. You know, we're tempted to find our identity in so many other things, and it distracts us from being in Christ, from abiding in His love. We, we often find our identity in these earthly titles, whether, you know, they're thrust on us or we've gone out and grabbed them. There might be the plaque on your door or on your desk or, or you know, maybe it's like a top employee and you're just like, you know what, top employee, that's what I am, that's, that's who I am. Or, or class president, you know, or I'm, 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 I'm the boss here or mother of the year or hot dog eating champion, you know, this is... <laughs> One of these things, this is my title, you know, I claim this, you know. Uh, maybe surfer, or coach, or car buff, or I'm a blogger, or a vlogger, you know, or a YouTuber, or um, it could be natural things, good things, sister, brother, father, maybe best host, you know. Um, or maybe it's, there's some negative things. You've been defeated by negative, shameful titles that have followed you around that you can't seem to shake, like outsider or, or loser or shy person or non-intellectual or whatever it is but but none of these titles good and bad are who we really are and they distract us from being in Christ they pull us away from that that spot of living at home with him we we have the chance to host a lot of memorial services here at the church through the year and yesterday we had a epic one and and it reminded me that we often will have tables out at these memorial services of of the things that represent this person's life pictures and and medals and maybe a fisherman's hat you know with lures on it or you know an award here or there or a flag and 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 we we, we look at these things and and they remind us and you might think well, what would be on my table and what would i put on my table at my memorial these things, again, they're an exercise to think through because we want to 
push them aside. We want to kind of name them and we want to say, God, I am not those things. Like my true identity is in Christ. And the Apostle Paul, he says it in such a beautiful, powerful way in Philippians 3, 7 through 9. So I want to read that for us. Three, well, it's a little bit earlier than seven. I think he starts around four or so. And so it's Philippians 3, 4. He says this. If any, and Paul had a lot of titles, a lot of accolades. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Get ready for his list. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless confident man right this guy he's got it on he said he says this but whatever gain i had i counted as loss for the sake of christ indeed i count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So here's this example for us. This casting aside of the identities that we we kind of latch on to. And it's challenging for some of us because maybe it's a thing that you're like, no, that's, I've always been this. This is what I do. It's a good thing. This is me. But let's, let's take some time and follow Paul's example. Cast those aside. Galatians 3, 27, 28 says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female or nerd or athlete or surfer or mountain climber or boss or employee. Like, we, it says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So here we are, all of us one in Christ Jesus. Let's spend a few moments before the band comes out to just practice abiding in God today, to practice abiding in his love. And let's do it through shedding some of these false identities and reclaiming our true identity, which is in Christ, clothed in Christ, accepted, loved, forgiven. And that let's let that change us. Let's let that help us connect with his love. Help us follow him in obedience. Help us experience joy in the process. So if you would, I just want to invite us to close our eyes for a moment here today, just kind of all across this room and just give us a chance, just a few moments to practice this exercise of abiding with God. Let's do it right here and now. And let's consider some of the identities that you've closely associated yourself with. And I want to invite us, just whispered silently in your heart, to cast those off, to strip them away, and be found in Christ. So let's take a moment to to think of some of those titles. And you might want to silently say in your heart something like, God, at the core of my being, I know I'm not blank. Or deep down inside, I'm truly not blank. And just take a moment. Let's fill in some of those blanks here.
now let's take a moment to reaffirm our true identity. Let's remind ourselves in our own words that I am in Christ. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm welcomed home. Take a moment to reaffirm that truth in your heart. God, we thank you so much for your invitation to, to love, your love that would surround us, that would welcome us home, that would empower us to love others, that we would experience joy in that process. Thank you for this moment to bring these identities that follow us around, to cast them aside, and to trust you with this singular identity to be found in you. May that bring us freedom, Lord. May that bring us joy. May that empower us to love others, belonging to you, loved by you, accepted by you. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Hide us, Lord, in you. Protect us, surround us. Send us out in your power as those loved by you on mission to love others the way you loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.